Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. We want to take a moment to share some really cool news. We've been selected as one of the top 10 Houston Dynamo podcasts by Feedspot. It is an absolutely incredible honor, so make sure to check out the full list over at https colon backslash backslash blog.feedspot.com backslash Houston underscore Dynamo underscore podcasts. Thanks again, Feedspot, and thank you guys for listening and tuning in. Now, here's your show. Thanks for listening to the audio-only podcast edition of our show. We air live over on Twitch via our Twitch channel every Wednesday, life and work permitting, starting at 7 p.m. Central. If you like what you've heard here so far, follow our Twitch channel at twitch.tv backslash genorange. And while you're over there, why not do us a huge favor and go ahead and drop a sub? If you do catch us during the live show, let us know in the Twitch chat. We love you guys and look forward to chatting with you guys next Wednesday. Now, back to the show. Hey everybody, it's Generation Orange. You know the show by now. I'm your co-host, Sean Ringrose, and my co-host is... Mark Segovia, what's going on, boy? What's up, Mark Segovia, who's also a co-host of... Blanca Podcast, every Tuesday at 7.30 in Spanish and English right afterwards. Uh, exactly what he said. <laughs> La Banca, right? That's what it is, La, La Banca. Banca. La Banca Podcast, yeah. Nice. Uh, anyways, we're talking, uh, if you don't know, we talk, uh, Houston soccer, essentially. Uh, we'll talk a little world soccer, a little bit of MLS, uh, but mostly focus on Houston soccer. Uh, look, we got plenty to get into tonight. Uh, we're going to talk, uh, we're going to talk dash. We're going to talk MLS a little bit. We're going to talk, uh, everybody knows about it. We're going to talk the European super league, uh, or what was going to be the European super league, I guess at this point. And then, uh, and then we'll close out with some dynamo talk, but, uh, Mark, how are you? How was your week? Uh, how was the uh, the the uh, initial opening match uh, victory parade at the Segovia household? And uh, everything was great. Uh, this week's been good, really good. Uh, the opening game match was awesome, except for the rain, you know. But it's still even more awesome the fact that you know a lot of people were out there during those conditions to go support the Dynamo in the opening match. Uh, really good first game. Um, uh, you know, happy for Memo scoring the first goal of the season. Happy for Uretha getting that first goal out the way for him on a new on a new club. Should look great. A lot of, a lot of the new guys look great. Bonia looks like a 
like a defender of the year candidate in one game. <laughs> uh, man, but you know, just just overall good past week, man. How about yourself? It's been a, it, it, I had a bit of a, a rough week kind of earlier in the week uh, after, you know, like Sunday and Monday, uh, just a lot of personal stuff dealing with and, and then uh, things picked up kind of Monday evening, Tuesday uh, morning. Uh, and so things have been good ever since. Uh, and then work's going well, can't complain about work. So uh, really not much else to report, but uh, I tell you what I am looking forward to is obviously the Dynamo playing on Saturday uh, up at, uh, up at Portland going to be a real test uh and i think this is you know honestly the the first real test for the team this season uh we'll see how that goes but uh first like i said let's uh let's talk some dash man uh out there proving some people uh proving some stuff to to the league and to uh detractors if you will uh jake i'm sure will love uh by the way hello jake hi jake uh jake's in chat tonight uh jake a huge uh dash supporter huge dynamo supporter what was that Jake from State Farm. Jake from State Farm. Uh, Jake from Hawaii. Uh, oh, hey, not hey, direct hey, from Hawaii, but yeah, not direct from Hawaii, but Hawaii <laughs> all the same. Uh, oh, mahalo, uh, Ohana. Uh, and then, um, so you know, the Dash have uh, they just played against uh, uh, Seattle, uh, and one of the key things about that match, and it's the same thing that we talked about when they faced Chicago <laughs> Drake from State Farm. State Farm. Oh, that's even funnier. <laughs> Uh, we were talking about uh, last on the last show how much the the dash missed their international and U.S. women's national team attackers. Uh, you know, Rachel Daly, Nichelle Prince, uh, Sam Mewis. Uh, technically, you can throw Chapman in there. You can even throw Sophie Schmidt in there. Look, they had six six uh, six national team and international team uh, players out uh, for. Uh, the pre most of the preseason and then uh, the first two matches of the season. Well, they're back, uh, and so talking about that dash and Seattle match, uh, you know the the takeaways I had. The defense actually played really well. They held their own. It was a zero zero draw. Seattle are by no means a slouch of an attacking team. They've got plenty of talent on attack. Holding them to a you know to a a zero zero draw is a big deal. They did the same thing against Chicago. Zero zero draw. Um, but that, you know, this defense being this good, uh, has definitely become a hallmark of this team. And, uh, it really feels and kind of harkens back to, uh, you know, to the early dynamo years when our defenses were just, you know, they were brick walls. You weren't getting through that defense. And if you did, you were feeling it that night and the next day you weren't getting through without some physical punishment. Look, Katie Naughton, uh, Megan Oyster, uh, and, and you know Chapman on the outside, as well as uh, Prisak, who played really well in her two starts, uh, and a number of other players that Haley Hansen that have filled in in, in in those outside back slots and elsewhere along the line. They've just brought that level of defense up. Uh, it was a struggle, uh, in you know, prior to them getting here, and then once they were here, it was clear that this defense was getting better, and now it's to the point that it is. One of, if not the best defense in NWSL. They haven't surrendered a goal yet in two matches so far. Uh, and some of the credit does go to Jane Campbell's backup, who also was out on international duty with the U.S. US women's national team, to Lindsay Harris, who has played absolutely phenomenal in Jane Campbell's stead. She was even up for save of the week in week one. Um, and, you know, she had a couple of decent saves uh, against Seattle that, that should not be overlooked either. Uh, Lindsay Harris really, to me, has become a hallmark of what this team is about, which is 
when someone is out, whether it's for international duty or it's for uh, injury or, or otherwise, it is next person up, uh, next player up. And Lindsay Harris took that role of goalkeeper, and she really has made a claim for potentially taking that past, um, you know, past this season. Um, and, and so I, what I want to ask you, Mark, um, not so much about the match, but we talked a little bit about Lindsay Harris last week as goalkeeper. If you're the dash and you're looking at the end of 2020, at the end of 21, 2021 season, no matter how you finish all of that, do you keep Jane Campbell and trade away Lindsay Harris as an asset potentially for some pretty good return on your investment there? Or do you look to keep Lindsay Harris, who is not a U.S. women's national team allocated player, in exchange for maybe letting Jane Campbell or sending Jane Campbell to another team where you know you may get a slightly higher uh, return on your investment in that case? Who are you keeping if you have to choose between the two of them? You know, obviously, with it just being two games and ha- her having two clean sheets is a great start for her. Um, you know, obviously, I want to see a longer stretch of uh, games with her, you know, to have a more clear oh, sense of what she really is, you know, and, and, and not, not, nothing, nothing against her. Obviously, you know, she's doing a great job in Campbell's place. Um, but, yeah, I mean, obviously, she's she's a little bit younger uh, or I'm not sure what the ages are, but I'm sure she's younger and she's more under our control than what Jane Campbell is because of the fact that, you know, she's a U.S. A women's national team player. She gets allocated. So I think I would keep Harris and see what I can get for Campbell, obviously, because you don't have to worry so much unless she gets to that level where she starts getting selected by the U.S. women's national team, right? But at this point in time, I mean, you know, obviously Campbell being uh, being able to be allocated to different teams and obviously all the call-ups with the Olympics coming up, uh, the She Believes Cups, you know, the World Cup, you know, coming up, all the other friendlies that are coming up here pretty soon in the next couple of years. Um, and I'm sure Jane is going to be part of all those. You know, I don't I don't see her her level dri- dipping anytime soon. Um, I think she's at the peak of her of her of her powers, her career. at This moment. So if Harrison continues showing out like the way she is in clean sheets and clean sheets and like this, you know, um, obviously, I'm not expecting. In every game, but for weeks of the month, things. Um, I would keep Harris and and let Campbell go. Uh, just FYI, Mark, you were breaking up just a little bit there. I got what you were saying, but uh, you were breaking up. Uh. Yeah, I, I, you know, I was, uh, oh, I thought, he, I thought, I thought Nestor just said in chat, Mark, you're getting cut. And I was like, damn, just like that. You're out, bro. Done. Uh, the reason I asked the question is it's pretty clear, right? You're going to have to make the decision at some point. Is it Harris? Is it Campbell? I, I don't know what the dash desire. I'm sure if they could figure it out, they would keep both. Never hurts to have a, a quality backup that clearly could be a starter. But I think at the same time, you have to respect Lindsay Harris as someone who is going to want to start somewhere and if it's not going to be for you, then you need to be able to give her that opportunity elsewhere. Um, and you're going to get a good return. It doesn't matter if it's Lindsay Harris. It doesn't matter if it's Jane Campbell. The difference between the two is Jane Campbell has more of the air quote star power because of the U.S. US women's national team starts that she's had, the call-ups that she's had. And in my opinion, you leverage that. You don't know how much longer Jane Campbell is going to be that goalkeeper. You don't know how much longer you're going to be able to rely on 
having her as a U.S. women's national team allocated player. And what I mean by that is Campbell is going to get opportunities with the national team again at some point, probably during the Olympics is my guess. And if she does during that point, and if she shows out, then as an allocated national team player, it is very likely she may just get allocated to another team. MWSL has done that multiple times before. So why hope that that's not the case and get nothing in return when you can go ahead and work on trading her? There are going to be teams clamoring for the opportunity for a starting goalkeeper, the quality of a Jane Campbell, and keep Lindsay Harris, who you've already seen is quality enough to be a starting goalkeeper in front of this back line. Now that's the key. If you can keep this back line and in, you know, in the shape that it's in and and in, in the trend that it is in, which is going up. Um, You know, I think it's, it's definitely one of those times where you have to kind of, you have to kind of figure out what, what is best for you. But again, you know, consider the opportunity if you can to trade Jane Campbell, us women's national team player is always going to net you at least a good return Whereas Lindsay Harris, if you're, you know, again, if you're trying to respect her wishes, which I'm sure she wants to have an opportunity to at least compete for a starting role somewhere else, then, you know, maybe you consider that. The other the other thing I want to throw out there real quick, Mark, just before you chime in, mm-hmm. Lindsay Harris is that type of player that is quintessential to what this team is about. A player who grits and grinds their way through matches, who, gr- who has gritted and grinded their way through college uh, soccer and who is doing exactly what you've asked, which is when the opportunity has arisen, she rose to the occasion and proved she is good enough. And if James Clarkson wants that to be a hallmark of what the Dash are about, then he needs to prove it by offering her that opportunity if, if they can you know, manage to make it work out. And I have no doubt they could if they wanted to. Go ahead, Mark. You know, I like what Jake's in the chat. Obviously, you know, it's going back to what I said first and foremost, you know, that I, I'm not at a comfortable stage at the moment to – to make that decision right now as far as Harris over Campbell, because obviously we've only seen her for two games, you know? And, um, and I think that, you know, yeah, she's had a great two games. Uh, I think the fact that this season will, will tell us a lot about her, especially because she's going to have a lot of opportunity to start for goalkeeping for the dash, you know, because of international duties for Campbell. <clears throat> so we'll see how it goes. You know, be, you know, obviously I'm, I want to be as optimistic as possible and I want Harris to be just, you know, a great goalkeeper for, for us, you know, and, uh, and I guess you get kind of best of both worlds because you know that, you know, Campbell, Jane Campbell's going to be going back and forth between national team duties and, and, and being a dash goalkeeper. So, you know, you get to have both, both ladies, you know, as your goalkeeper for the season, you know, because of the uh, quantity of matches that are coming up for the United States women's national team. So it'll be great to see both of them, you know, just like competing at each other, trying to one up each other <clears throat> for the most part. Um, and, and like I said, I mean, it's if if she shows out and she's holding her own and she's basically on par with Campbell. And, you know, depending on how everything goes next season, you know, with and how you want to approach things, because, like I said, I mean, you, I'm not in the in the business of selling players off either, you know, especially our foundational players and, and and star players players who are marketable to, for us because i mean to have a united states women national team player on your on your squad is always good for marketing good for you know putting butts in seats you know and things of that nature i mean she might not be the the starting goalkeeper but she know but they know who she is we all know who she is and we all know sure. what she's done for the dash you know as of late i was I, obviously and how much of a figure she was to capture that challenge cup trophy last season you know so I don't think it's one of those things where 
I feel that the dads need to be in some kind of rush to do it. I mean, but if something comes up that's really juicy and, you know, and, and can benefit the dash as a whole, then, you know, I see why not. But at this moment, I wouldn't be in a rush to. I want to I want to see more Harris and see what she's more what she's capable of and see what her actual level is. Because, you know, anybody can have a good two games. You know? Sure. sure. So, but, but once you can have, once you can put a string of weeks, maybe months, you know, maybe have a whole season of, of, of great goalkeeping, then we can talk about like, oh, okay. We got something here. Yeah, and like I said, the only reason I brought that up, again, I'm looking more at the, you know, when the offseason rolls around, not so much during the season here. But, you know, there is the reality that, again, allocation slots are not an automatic given for any team. And at some point, NWSL is going to balance them back out again um, some way, somehow. I don't know how, but we'll see. Sometimes they just assign allocation slots. And nobody's ready for it. Um, so it's entirely plausible that we could see Campbell just move somewhere else without the dash getting any return on that investment. Um, and so, you know, it, it's something that has to be at the back of their minds. I'm not saying it needs to be at the forefront of their minds right now, but it's something they need to consider and they need to be planning for uh, and not just hoping it never happens. Uh, with that being said, let's move on to a dash versus KC preview uh, of the match uh, coming up on Monday. What a weird uh, day and time for a uh, NWSL match. Uh, daily. So we get back. Rachel Daly's back. Uh, Christy Mewis is back. Nichelle Prince is back. Alicia Chapman is back. Sophie Schmidt is back, and of course Jane Campbell is now back. Uh, and they will likely all start. Uh, or you know Prince may not start. I'd be surprised if she didn't. Uh, they may all start on Monday, uh, given that they'll have about a full week worth of time, uh, back with the team uh, prior to uh, the next match. Um, that's a huge boost to the attack, which has clearly struggled. Uh, missing Rachel Daly, missing missing Christy Mewis, missing uh, Nichelle Prince, missing Alicia Chapman, missing Sophie Schmidt. Um, so you know it, it's and in look the you know the struggle we've had in my opinion has really been that link between the center of the pitch uh, in front of the defense and then moving that into the attack in the center of the pitch or out wide. Uh, and, and clearly, when you get players the level of a Rachel Daly, the level of a Christy Mewis, the level of a Sophie Schmidt, a Nichelle Prince, or an Alyssa Chapman, you're talking about improving in those areas specifically that you feel you need to improve. Um, the one thing I think we need to be careful of going into K the KC match, and this is more for Jake, is Amy Rodriguez. You have to, from a defensive perspective, you have to mark her, you have to mark her well, and you have to ensure that she doesn't get those opportunities uh, mental lapse opportunities. Now, the good news is, of course, we've got our center back pairing of Naughton and Oyster. We know how good our outside backs are. I'm not overly concerned about Amy Rodriguez going into this KC match, uh, but it's definitely something to keep in mind. Uh, but look, I mean, this is going to be the first time that these, you know, that the the national team players have been back together for the dash uh, in just about four to five weeks, it feels like, if not longer. And so getting them back, there is going to be a little bit of an adjustment, but I do think we see some really good moments going into this KC match. And I'm looking forward to it. Um, look, I'm going to go out on a prediction limb here, and I'm going to say this is going to be a 2-0 dash victory. Um, I feel like there will be some nervy moments, uh, you know, late in the match where KC are pushing to try and find a goal uh, somehow, some way. But I feel like the ladies just step up and, and secure, that, secure the clean sheet for the third clean sheet in a row. Uh, which in, in the NWSL, that's a big deal. Um, so, 
that's my prediction, Jake. Feel free to throw your prediction out in chat. Mark, any ideas on a prediction? I'm sure no, you're for just kind of going. I don't know. No, 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 no. I mean, I, like I said, I I, I dedicated myself since last season to pay attention a little bit more to the dash, and I and I have, you know, um, you know, I liked a lot a lot of the great points that you bring up, you know, and as far as like the returning uh, national team players to our squad, I'm not really expecting all of all of them to get playing time i think i think you know you don't want to rush them all especially you know them coming from where they're coming from and and doing that stuff i mean i do expect some of them to get some quality minutes especially as maybe as first subs in um i do expect campbell to be the starting goalkeeper though so if that that that, that be, um yeah i'm gonna go i'm gonna go three one dash i don't know i don't, I don't know about the clean sheet but i'm gonna go three one da- dash so no, we'll see. Hopefully, it, I, I think we all predicted wins here. We both of y'all predicted clean sheets, but I'm going to go 3-1, and that obviously puts the dash in a very nice position with five points, you know, from the first three games. Yeah, for sure. So uh, that's uh, the end of our dash talk tonight. We're keeping it a little short because we're, we're only going until 9 o'clock, so we're about an hour and a half. Uh, let's roll into some uh, some some world notes real quick. Of course, the only really big world note right now that everybody's talking about uh, and everybody has an opinion on is the European Super League uh, or the death thereof, as it was made clear today that pretty much all teams have withdrawn from the European Super League. And they're going to go back to the drawing board to just, you know, to figure out all the uh, very important. It wasn't the UEFA. It was just a European because UEFA had nothing to do with it. And that's why it failed, um, at least if you ask UEFA. Uh, but. Uh, the reality is this is a big deal because there were 12 club, 12, uh, 12 very large clubs uh, across Europe that basically are, uh, were willing to withdraw themselves from UEFA competitions, which includes um, uh, it yeah. includes uh, UEFA, you know, the UEFA European League, uh, you know, UEFA Champions League. Thank you. Champions Europa. League is the one I couldn't think of. And UEFA Europa League, too. That counts both of them. Um, along with the other, other you know, other related UEFA smaller uh, competitions, their federations from the different leagues that, that are the different teams that came out and supported this and said that they were going to be, you know, the founders of this league uh, came out and basically said, if, uh, it, you know, if these teams do this, we will remove them from our leagues, which was a really big, huge hurdle. Uh, which means that they would have no, uh, you know, no actual league competition other than the air quote super league, European Super League, uh, and then also to the point, uh, even their federations came out uh, and said, you know, the national federations came out and said, hey, look, if these teams do this, we're not going to let their players play, uh, uh, you know, play in any UEFA uh, sanctioned competitions. We're not going to let them play in any, you know, federa- uh, federation cup competitions. Uh, they're not going to be able to play in their national teams. Uh, they were basically basically very much strong arming uh, from a federation and from a league standpoint that these teams were not going to be in a position to throw their weight around because they're the big teams. So, Mark, I want to ask you this question. What is, in your opinion, what was the driving force between the European Super League discussion uh, and the decisions that were made by these big clubs? And then why do you think it fell apart so quickly? Well, the driving force, obviously, with anything in the world of soccer today is money. No. So, I mean, you know, obviously a lot of these clubs, well, you know, the the stance or the way uh, Florentino Perez uh, stated that, you know, who was going to be the the president of this uh, Europa Super League was that 
you know, these 12 founding member clubs or 15, depending on, you know, which other list you saw or which other the three other clubs are going to be included. They provide at least 50% of the fan base around the world. They provide at least 50% of the revenue all over the world, soccer, merch, things of that nature. Um, and they feel that they need to be compensated properly. Um, you know, the sad thing about this situation was that, you know, they're battling up against UEFA and FIFA, which we both are in agreement, And I think everybody else on here is in agreement that they're no angels themselves either. So, you know, they have a long history of corruption as well. And, and, you know, and so it's kind of devil versus devil here in this, in this, in this uh, battle of wits. And unfortunately, the, the reason I think that the European Super League disagreed the, the, as quickly as it did is because they, they came in at the wrong way, man. They just, they, they threw it out there. They just said, they, they basically said, here it is, whether you like it or not, you know, you just, they, it just Sunday night, it, the news popped out, you know, hey, uh, founding members the biggest clubs in the world um they're gonna create create this big super league it's gonna be backed by big banks billions of dollars a 400 a 400 million dollar uh fee of money of uh, 400 million dollars given to each club just for being a participant in this club and this league which for those who don't know that's four times the amount the champions league makes winning the champions league well you know with that with all that being said you know obviously that money does a lot of work for you know for those clubs you know especially for those clubs that f- they feel that they provide 50 percent plus amount of revenue for the whole world of soccer that they provide 50 percent plus of viewership from fans around the world which there's no denying i mean those those 12 clubs are the biggest clubs in the world you know we're all fans of those clubs all rivals of those clubs but you know the way it's it was portrayed and the way that they were they were just trying to it was all about them and not and no worries about the the rest of the leagues and all the small clubs and all the lower tier levels of soccer and around the world especially in Europe it just seemed it just smelled of uh, uh it smelled of arrogance arrogance I'm sorry and uh, obviously to that notion I think everybody was like nah and you saw the uproar. You saw the fans come out, especially in England, come out ready to to let go, let go of generations of fandom for those clubs, and we're talking about generations, you know, people whose great grandfathers followed Chelsea, Arsenal, Manchester United, you know, clubs of that nature. They were they were ready to to give up on those clubs, and you know, and I'm and I'll and I'll give and I'll give uh, credit where credit is due. I'll give a round of applause to those clubs. Especially City and Chelsea for those you know for for being the first two to say you know what we're gonna opt out. This is not this is not what we signed up for. Whatever, um, and we're gonna opt out. We're, we're, we're this is not this is not the route we're trying to take. Um, now, does this mean this is the end forever for the Super League? No, I don't think so. I think there will be a different approach later on in the future. I think it's something that needs to be more organized and and dealt with along with UEFA. I think the thing is here that what. Kind of, I think if they're, we're looking at a silver lining from this, uh, from this uh, event, is that the clubs, the presidents of all these big clubs, they want UEFA to be more transparent. There's there, there's so much money 
involved with the UEFA Champions League, Europa League, Euros, obviously the FIFA World Cup, FIFA, any FIFA sanctioned tournament, right? There is a lot of money involved in these and these tournaments. And these clubs are compensated. Nobody wants to open books up because nobody really wants to show, you know, is really involved. Yeah, you're you're breaking up again, Mark. Go ahead, Sean. I'm uh, yeah, I think I'm cutting up a little bit. Yeah, you definitely are breaking up, bro. Yeah. Uh yeah, it, I I I know I'm gonna get so much flack for this. I real I just know it. But I actually was one of the people who was a strong supporter of the European Super League concept. And I agree with everything you said. I, I do actually agree with it. However, I think <laughs> there's a caveat to this that a lot of people aren't taking into consideration. Number one it's very easy for FIFA, UEFA, and these federations to say, oh, these clubs are doing it because they're the big clubs and they don't want competition. Yeah, that's horse crap. That's not why they're doing it. That has nothing to do with not wanting competition. They absolutely do want the competition. The reason they're doing it is because UEFA continues to shove down their throats, and these, again, are the biggest clubs in Europe, shoves their, down their throats these ideas that they have to play more matches every season than anybody else in, in UEFA. And the amount they get compensated for those extra matches that they have to play does not equate to how many extra matches they have to play. And the competition level that they have to play at in order to maintain that top status within their individual leagues. There's a reason why Real Madrid and Barcelona spend as much money every offseason and every uh, summer transfer or winter transfer window as they do. It's because they have to in order to be able to compete at the highest level in, cha- in Champions League and in, uh, uh, in, in La Liga. There's a reason that these top uh, Premier League teams are spending as much money as they are is because they have to in order to stay at the top of their league. And as much as UEFA wants to tout and FIFA wants to tout and these federations want to tout that these big clubs just don't want the competition – No, it's the fact that for the last 50-some-odd years, if not longer, they've had this whole Champions League concept shoved down their throat, and every few years, there's additional matches added. They're adding an additional, what is it, like 16 teams to the total of number of teams that make it into the competition now? Adding an additional, I believe that they're thinking about going up to eight more teams. Eight more teams. Yeah, it's 30 now, and I think they're going to go up to 38. That doesn't sound like much, but they're changing the format. And it's going to add an additional two to three matches. That doesn't sound like much, but that's in addition to your already very stacked season schedules. And especially in the pandemic, if you return to the pandemic time, which we're still in, people, hello, these teams are having to deal with more than they were dealing with before COVID hit. And they're having to deal with things that they weren't having to even think about before. It's a different situation if we're if we're pre-pandemic right now, because it's, adding those extra matches is not a big deal. But right now they're having they had to shorten so many league seasons in order to even fit them in and condense them down. There were times that there were teams in certain leagues at the top of their league playing three matches in a single week, and that is not healthy and not good for the players. And it's not fair to the teams that are the top teams in the league. It's just like the teams that right now are having to play CCL when their their leagues are currently playing. Now, 
granted to MLS, give them a little bit of credit. They did give uh, a little bit of uh, leeway for, I don't remember which team it was, that, uh, that was it RSL that didn't have to play? Uh, they've got a bye week this week, I believe. No, they had a bye week last week. Somebody has one this week at Columbus, I think, because they've got more CCL to play. But it's not equitable, right? The other teams are still playing their matches in MLS play. So where is the, you know, my whole point to this is the fact that for everything UEFA, FIFA, and the federations want to say about the clubs, the reality is it's the pot calling the kettle black. The fact no. is, oh, go ahead. No, and like I said, like I mentioned, I mean, I don't know what parts cut off of from me when I was talking, but uh, but yeah, it's it's devil, it's devil versus devil, right? It absolutely uh, is. And, and these clubs, they want more transparency, you know. They did, and yeah. they deserve it. They bring they bring in the big bucks, you know. Adding that, you know, the fact that UEFA or even FIFA, because FIFA's expanding the World Cup, which is something I'm totally against, you know. Yep. Uh, but UEFA expanding the Champions League, something I'm totally against. You're watering down the competition. Is what you're yeah. doing. Yeah. On top of that. You know, and then on top of that, I don't care. I don't care to see Barcelona versus some team and, and you know, and Austria or whatever, you know, and, and the group stages. I don't care about seeing two, three more games like that, you know. Yeah. You, exactly. you know, I'm, I'm going to watch because I'm a Barcelona fan, right? But the fact of the matter is, you know, put more money up. Bring there, there, there's, there's plenty of money, sponsorship, deals, whatever, into this Champions League. This is why the, they were going with the Super League because all the money they were going to make off TV rights, off sponsorship deals, off you know partnership deals, X Y Z. You know this mm-hmm. is basic marketing you know, for for those who don't know. You know, think about it just from a U.S. standpoint. Yeah, NBC Peacock paid a billion dollars for for, for Premier League rights. That's just in the United States. Yep. You know. You're, you're not you're not you're not taking in consideration all other countries in the world, all the big countries in the world, and not in and or or even the the local deals that they have in their own country. You yeah. know, so there's money there's money up the wazoo in the world of soccer. Yep. So you know they just wanted more transparency. They want more money involved, and I love the fact that you said you know teams like Real Madrid and Barcelona. The reason they spin the way they spin, the reason they're always the top two teams in any list, Forbes, X, uh, summer transfer winning spending. It's because they have to. That's 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 the that's the role they play in this in this uh, pyramid of soccer. The big dogs, yeah. You know? um, but for all the spending they're doing, not being compensated right back for it. If they win the Champions League, that's a hundred million dollars. A hundred million dollars. You know what? They... That doesn't even cover one player usually on the transfer fees. Maybe two. Maybe two if they're lucky. Look at the players they've bought for over hundred million dollars. Exactly. But, I mean, think about it. These release clauses are just going up and up and up and up and up. Yeah. Know? And then on top of that, you got to pay the wages for this player. Yeah. You know? And then on top of that, you're probably paying agent fees, uh, parental fees, or whatever, other fees. You know, just fees on top of fees on top of fees. And these clubs are suffering. You think, you know, the, the Financial Fair Play Act, which is I think is a whole bunch of poop, you know, <laughs> for for for, for, the, for the top level clubs because. Barcelona is, is in a $1.5 billion debt or deficit or whatever, but they allow them to spend and keep going into that debt because they make so much back in revenue throughout the year on a regular year, right? But not a COVID year, right? So yep. that's, that's allowable. Like this happens when something like a pandemic happens and it kills their, 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 their revenue and their income. 
this is this is what they're stuck with with the with a huge ass debt and a huge ass wage bill. Yeah, and, and again, the the reason I was for this European Super League concept is because honestly, I am so anti FIFA and anti UEFA. Look, there, there's no doubt about the corruption in both of those, um, you know, both of those federations, both of those organizations. Um, there's no doubt about the amount of money that is coming in and how little of it actually trickles out to the clubs and the players, respectively. Uh, and, and it was a chance for someone to, you know, we've talked about this before. It was a chance for someone in the world of soccer to stand up to FIFA and stand up to UEFA. Uh, and they did it. These teams were ready to to make the plunge, and they had agreed that they were going to pull out. And it was the fan backlash against it that that prevented it from happening. And I get the fan backlash. I do. I understand, you know, where they were coming from. But at the same time, I flip it around and I say, did the fans really understand what was actually happening, or were they just looking and seeing that oh, this is a cash grab by these teams? When in reality, it can be viewed that way. But can it be fairly viewed that way? And and I think a lot of fans just jump to the conclusion that oh, it's just the big teams, so they're gonna they want to get more money. They don't want the extra competition from the lower clubs. But like you said, I'm tired of seeing Barcelona versus Slovenian, you know, Slovenian team A from there. You know, I can't even pronounce the name. You know, the the you know, uh, God, what Ludogrets. I'm tired of seeing Ludogrets. I, I am so tired of Ludogrets. Like, why do I want to watch a team like Ludogrets play against a team like Man City, Tottenham, Chelsea, Barcelona, Real Madrid, and yet I have to watch it year after year after year because it's just the way the Champions League is. Yeah, I mean, um, it's a shame. And I think the fact, you know, the fact is the, that the they Mark, you're cutting out pretty bad. Uh, I'm gonna recommend you disconnect and then reconnect on uh, video uh, and in you know audio too to see if it fixes your issue. Uh, but uh, good point, Mark. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Didn't hear. It. I don't think we can hear anything of what you said. Pretty sure you just froze out, anyways. Uh, well, we're gonna move on from Super League discussion. I think we've talked about that plenty. I want to talk about MLS notes real quick. Uh, we've got just a few that I want to run through. Mark's not here, so I guess I get to just run through them, which is yay fun. Uh, so obviously my big note, and this is just because it's kind of, uh, 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 made me laugh, made me chuckle to see this, but, uh, Chicharito actually did something for LA Galaxy in their, uh, in their opener, uh, scoring that goal. It was an impressive goal. Don't get me wrong, but, uh, Chicharito, where'd that come from? I haven't seen that from him in a while. Uh, then of course we had, we moved to the Seattle match versus, uh, Minnesota. Uh, did Minnesota just not realize the season started? Were they still in preseason mode? Seattle destroyed them for nothing for nil, man. Uh, are you kidding me? Uh, and Seattle never looked like they were not in control of that match. Every moment, if he does, he does, Nestor, it's no big deal. Uh, but in in no moment of that match did it feel like Seattle was not in control of that match. Minnesota never looked in that match. It was so crazy. Uh, then you have Montreal, uh, suddenly a dark horse candidate for MLS Cup contenders. I mean, they looked absolutely brilliant uh, in the attack against, uh, you know, notching four goals against uh, Toronto FC, a team that a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of pundits had very highly in their power rankings. Uh, then, of course, we move on to Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta playing against Orlando. Atlanta pulling out a nil-nil draw against Orlando doesn't sound great when you think about how much firepower Atlanta theoretically has between Yosef Martinez, Kubo Torres, uh, and a host of other players, Ezekiel Barco. Uh, but uh, the fact is, um, 
There's my beautiful face. I love it. Uh, Atlanta has a really good defense, defense, and it's kind of confusing because it's not what I pegged Atlanta as. Uh, but you know, something to take a thought about is Atlanta's defense really as good as we saw, or is it maybe the fact that Orlando's offense just needs some time to figure some things out? Orlando has a lot of good attacking players, especially now uh, with Pato coming in. Uh, it's hard to say, but I would like to think that maybe Orlando's offense just needs some time, and the next time those two teams meet, it's going to be a different story. Uh, finally, my MLS notes, and this one everybody's going to love it. Uh, Austin proved they absolutely are not good enough to stand toe-to-toe with LAFC, and once LAFC decided to take the match, they did so, they did so very strongly, in my opinion. Austin is going to struggle to score goals this season. I wanted to call this out because all of the pundits, every analyst you looked at, had Austin higher than the Dynamo, had Austin even higher than FC Dallas. Following their loss to LAFC, a lot of pundits and analysts are backtracking, and they're reducing the hype on Austin just a little bit and saying maybe they're not as good as we thought they were going to be. How could you look at this team on paper knowing full well players coming into MLS from outside of MLS usually have a uh, period of transition, and it's usually not the very first moment. Uh, it takes time. Um, am I still on? Nestor, are we good? I'm starting to wonder now, because it just said welcome to the chat room. Oh, okay, cool. Awesome, great. Thanks. Uh, yeah, so it just it, it's interesting to me. Uh, how much plaudits and how much, thank you, Jake, uh, how much plaudits that Austin got. They hadn't played a single match, and yet they were basically handed the you know, requisite, oh, you're the new you know, golden child, the new darling of the league, you're going to do well. Um, look, they're going to score goals at, at some point, they're going to figure that out, but until then, that team didn't look that good to me. Uh, that team did not look like a team that were going to compete for anything more than maybe a playoff spot if they're lucky. Um, and... You know, their defense cracked at some point. They're going to continue to crack at some point throughout the season. I, I'm just going to be shocked to see if Austin finish above both the Dynamo and Dallas. Um, and speaking of Dallas, of course, FC uh, Frisco played against Colorado in a brilliant nil-nil showing as well. Um, and uh, frankly, I don't really have much to say about that match. It was boring. Neither team looked like they wanted to win that match. Uh, and, you know, I just, what else can you say? Uh with that being said, uh, hopefully Mark returns because it is time, with all of the, the MLS notes to, that I've run through, it is time for Dynamo Talk. I'm excited for this because I have tons of notes. Uh, so, obviously the Dynamo played San Jose on, uh, on Friday. Uh, my big notes from that match uh, were, of course, the amazing partnership that we can already see developing after really truly just one match. Uh, between Memo and and Maxi Arudi, um, look, I, I I said it. Maxi Arudi was going to be a big player for this team, and, and a lot more than people were giving him credit for. Uh, his style of play meshes so well with what Tab wants to do tactically, uh, and especially from that position. Arudi is the the absolute quintessential hold up forward up top, uh, holding forward up top that can drop the ball to a uh, an attacker coming from the midfield or coming from out wide. Uh, he's also the type, and you saw it on on, fri- on Friday, even though he didn't get the quick turn and goal, he can turn and hit that goal on a regular basis. And he can do that pulling one defender off himself. Memo's going to pull defenders the other way. And let's talk about Tyler Pasher going the opposite direction. Tyler Pasher, what an incredible performance from a kid coming out of USL. 
Um, look, he was he was good in USL. Don't get me wrong. One of the best players in USL last year for Indy 11. But I did not expect him to be such a pivotal point for this offense and to step into that role comfortably. I thought Tyler Pasher was very nearly one of the best players on the pitch on Friday. Uh, and and it, and it only surprised me from the pure fact of this is Tyler Pasher, a USL player. And usually when we've you know brought in players from USL, it has not worked out the best for us. Hey, Mark, welcome back. Are you feeling a little better now? Got the uh, got the stutters out of yourself? And my power went out. I don't know what happened. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, so I started talking about the Memi and Arudo, uh, mem- uh, the Memi, the Memo and Arudi partnership up top. Uh, and then, of course, that transitioned easily into the Tyler Pasher uh, is quite the player, uh, almost more so than I anticipated. Look, that that trio of players up top, and, and you know, that's Memo playing kind of a withdrawn shadow striker role almost, which, by the way, Darwin Quintero plays really well as well. Um, with with Maxi Rudy, it, it is going to be interesting to see how they continue to develop that because Memo came central came out of central uh, midfield, uh, and you have a you know you have a, a winger winger available position out there that you can play someone other than Fafa Pico, who by the way I thought actually looked really good as well. Um, you've got a starting four there: Memo Arudi, Fafa Pico, and Tyler Pasher. That honestly look like they can they can hang in just about against any team in this league uh, from an attacking standpoint, putting pressure on defenses. Um, I I want your opinion on you know the foursome in particular, and your opinion on that particular partnership that's beginning to grow between Memo and Arudi. Oh, I mean, you know, obviously during the preseason they showed a lot of great connection with each other, uh, especially Rudy scoring goals and Memo doing what he does best. Um, you know, so I think it's it's something great. You know, obviously, Mo having the 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 advantage of having a year under his belt under Tabin, and obviously having a couple of years in the Dynamo is finding a level of comfort. I think he feels like he's one of the leaders of the squad, so he needs to act accordingly, at least to perform accordingly to being one of the leaders of the squad. Um, so you know, I, I I'm not I'm not surprised with Memo, you know. Uh, Oriti, like I said, you know, Maxi Oriti, I mean, obviously we know he's scored goals for MLS, uh, not a high prolific score for him and, and by any, by any turns, but we're hoping to get some high level scoring from him, you know, and then obviously one for one, that's a good start. Um, I, I, for him, I mean, I mean, I love the way he gets into the box. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. He gets into the box really well. He creates, uh, he, he, he brings defenders away from other players, to create shots for them as well um the pasture role obviously with him doing the way doing what he's doing he's super active in the first game which i really enjoyed he was everywhere man and you know i think he's one of those players that uh, he's that he he knows he's he's playing at a higher level than what he played last year so he's stepping up to that level and i think that he's just going to keep getting better and better and better if given the opportunity by tab and i don't see why he wouldn't keep getting the opportunity especially showing out the way he did the first game um so i'm very excited for that front three um a- a- alongside with you know other other players like uh like fafa i mean fafa had a good game as well i mean unfortunately he didn't get he didn't score but you know we obviously we see the speed that he carries uh the way he can do with the ball how he can distribute the ball as well and we'll see, man. And then if and then if we can get you know Darwin back into game shape, you know he'd be a great super sub or you know a rotational player when uh, spots start start here and there or whatever, you know. So it'll be all 
all all great by then hopefully you know so but like i said you know it was against san jose so we'll, we'll take it with a little bit of grain of salt you know it's not the the biggest club you know or the hardest club in the team you know that i think they were ranked alongside us as last in last place to win the mls cup as far as you know odds go in gambling terms but you know this portland game is going to be very interesting and i think that you know this will showcase how much of a growth uh the team has gone from year one under tab to year two i yeah certainly agree um i even have it in my notes you know it, it is it is easy, I think, to get a little extra hyped uh, because of how well we played, especially early in that match. But this was San Jose. This was a team that had not played um, anything more than a single preseason match prior to this match, and it was against USL competition. It wasn't even MLS-level competition. Um, and, and so they were a team that that showed how ill-prepared they were for this particular match. Um, along the same point, I think it's important to keep in mind, too, um, that what Fafa Pico does um, on that other side away from Tyler Pasher opens up Tyler Pasher to make those runs uh, around his defender between the two, uh, the outside defender and the center back and pull it away from a, pull the other guy away from a Rudy or pull the other guy away to give memo a run into the box. Look, look the way that tab has implemented these front four creates opportunities across the line. And when Darwin Quintero, if Darwin Quintero decides to, get himself fit again and ready to play matches, there's an absolute opportunity for Darwin Quintero coming off the bench or otherwise to have significant impacts on these matches. You get a creative player like a Darwin Quintero linking up with a player like Maxi Arruti or linking up with a player like Memo in this formation with the two wingers that they have, there's a ton of magic that can happen. Are we going to see it this season? I don't know because it comes down to Darwin Quintero buying in. And I'm not certain Darwin Quintero at this point has bought in. Clearly, he didn't come into preseason match fit or even close to it. He didn't take fitness seriously, or if he did, he clearly didn't show it. He looked gassed the few times that you saw him out on the pitch in preseason. And for a player at his age to be in that position, it tells me he probably didn't work out as hard during the offseason as he probably should have. And he probably just said, oh, my body will figure it out. It's no big deal. Um, with that being said, I, I want to give a shout out to three other players, actually four other players real quick. Number one, I want to give a shout out to Joe Corona in his first MLS match for the Dynamo looked incredible to, in my opinion. He had a few very important key stops. He pivoted the ball incredibly well. He created opportunities. He made incredible passes. In fact, I believe he had the assist on Memo's goal. Uh, he was good at getting pivoting the ball out wide when he needed to. He was good at helping to to create those opportunities without getting too far up the pitch. And when he needed a retreat to cover back on the defense, he was there to help kill the counterattack. It's hugely important, especially when you're now playing a two defensive mid, true defensive mid formation. You need one of those, one of those D mids, one of those players to be a pivot. And Joe Corona is absolutely without a doubt that pivot. I also want to give a shout out to Tim Parker. Clearly Tim Parker, you know why he was brought in. He was brought in for a combination of two things. Number one, some physical stoutness on that back line. And number two, to be a leader, not just along the back line, not just in front of marriage, not just behind the, uh, the midfielders, but also to be a leader for the entire team. And Parker proved it. There were moments in that match that clearly Parker 
was tr- was that leader vocally not afraid to go and talk to the the referee when it was a co- when it was called for and clearly he was willing to stand up for his players um and, and I applaud that so much because Boney god bless his soul is just not a physical player to that extent and Parker is Parker can back it up with the physicality and it just to me when you have a center back that is that type of player, it's just a different feeling when a guy like that is back there in front of Marich. Uh Finally, I want to, or no, I got two more, sorry. Uh, I want to shout out Boney himself. Look, he was completely playing out of position. He is not a center back. I don't even know if he's ever played center back in his career anywhere for any team. But here he was, thrown into a center back position outside of preseason because he did play there one match in preseason. Uh, but he was out of his position, uh, and he looked for the most part, pretty comfortable, but he definitely had those few nervy moments that you look out for. I think with the way that Boney played, I still think we're probably likely to see Fuen Mayor out there at some point against Portland. My hope is Boney probably starts. My hope is that Fuen Mayor at least gets a half out there to get some of those, uh, you know, game minutes underneath him next to Parker, because it looks like Bartlow is not going to be available for a little while. Uh, you know, who we were really counting on, which is kind of crazy to think coming out of the MLS draft. But injuries happen, concussions happen, you have to give them time to heal. Lastly, my real important call out, and, and George, I hope you're listening, Marco Marich looked good to me. The one goal that was conceded, he had nothing he could do about that goal. That goal was an incredible shot by a player that nobody expected to have that level of a shot. The Frenchman, I don't even know his first name, but last name was Marie. I mean, what a shot. The the rocket just into the corner of the corner of the goal. It just again, nothing marriage could do about it. He looked good in the other opportunities he had to kill, uh, the other saves he had to make. I thought his defense definitely helped him out, but that's what you expect. Uh, is your defense to be able to help you out and, and having a better defense in front of him, having a center back, you know, in front of him who he knows he can trust in, it's going to create better chances for marriage to be in better positions overall. So those thoughts on any other players you want to give a shout out to her or, you know, anything like that, Mark? No, I mean, yeah, for sure. Like, you know, El Presidente Oscar Boniak, you know, obviously the fact that, you know, he's out there starting for an, uh, what eighth consecutive in under the dynamo so great achievement for him um not in his usual position like you said center of back but it's a good way to extend the career to go from a, a midfielder to a center back so maybe it's something that he's um interested in you know extending the career a little bit um he didn't do too bad in that and that and that spot start hopefully it is just that a spot start we can get from my europe back in uh bizama back in from injury uh bartlow depending on his concussion issues Back, back back training and things of that nature but you know but the fact of the matter is you know he stepped up you know he came out there he wore the you know he 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 represented really well so shout out to him presidente um you know and just you know like i said you know overall great game for the guys you know under the circumstances i know the the pitch was slippery it was wet uh that goal that that was scored on on by by the frenchman in san jose was a fantastic goal i mean you know we were right behind it and um, yeah, we I, we I saw it from like from the, as soon as he got the ball, I was like, if this guy shoots, he has a really good shot. And when it went in, it was just we were just kind of like, oh, you know. But you know, goals like that happen from time to time. And but you know, but overall, pretty good game from Mark from Marco Marich. Uh, so you know, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing him grow and progress in his in his you know, um, and his 
you know, position as as goalkeeper for the Dynamo. So we'll see, man. I mean, one for one, three points. <clears throat> you can't ask for anything else. All you can ask for is the win and the three points, and that's what the Dynamo did, and that's what they achieved. And now we're on to Portland. And that's exactly it. You can only play who who the league puts in front of you to play. You can't opt to play a different team. That's not how this works. Uh, so you got to play who you play. Uh, and San Jose was the first team the Dynamo had to had to face, and they did what they needed to do. Just enough. Some would say there were chances for uh, for uh, San Jose that Wando missed. Yeah. Just, I still don't understand how you missed that. I was we were right behind the, the goalkeeper. He, he, the, he the, went the, into that the, mindset of U.S. Men's National Team against Belgium. Man, it, yeah, it just felt so much like that miss. Just like what? How? 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 Uh, open goal. Goalkeeper nowhere in sight because he just got horribly. Or he had just saved the ball and it just bounced to to Wando and Wando just didn't have a quick enough reaction time to get it on frame. I mean, he had enough to kind of kick it, but it was nowhere on frame. Yeah. Uh, with that being said, let's talk Portland. So Dynamo versus Portland. We know that's coming up on Saturday. Uh, there, there's a couple important things to keep in mind regarding regarding Portland. Number one, Portland are definitely a better test for this new look Dynamo than San Jose could ever hope to be. And it's not a knock against San Jose. It's just how good Portland are. Um, yeah. Uh, some important things that I take away tactically from, from having watched Portland in the past, especially their match against Vancouver, you got to close on Valeri quickly. You cannot give Valeri space. Uh, I think towards the end of the match, especially late in that second half, the Dynamo tended to give a little bit of too much space to the San Jose players. Uh, especially their attackers, you got to close on them. If you're going to play that high press, you got to keep pressing. You can't let off the gas. You have to keep the pressure on them. Uh, number two, you have to mark Darren Espria tight and physical. Look, this is a guy who is slippery and who will get behind your defense. At some point, Marco Marich is going to have to come up with a really big save to prevent Espria from getting a goal. However, keep in mind, Darren Espria plays very similar to how Memo did in that home opener. He's going to play off the forward, which is uh, Franco Mara, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he plays off their forward, uh, off their striker, and he's going to come in for those opportunities. So it's on the Dynamo to make sure that they are very cognizant and aware, especially during the match, especially late, where Darren Espria is, where Mark, uh, where Diego Valeri is, uh, and where the other Portland attackers are. And it's going to come down to Joe Corona, Matias Vera, and it's going to come down to Memo Rodriguez even for good portions of this upcoming match, playing the same way they did against San Jose, closing those spaces, not giving them the extra room, making sure to keep that pressure on, making sure the press is being effective. There will be opportunities on goal. It's obviously very important. We score when we have opportunities. It's an away match. The number one thing that's been a struggle for the Dynamo going back at least 10 seasons uh, it has been away record. We suck away. It's just the fact of the matter. It is time for us to change that. I think this match against Portland might be one of those opportunities to do so, but we have to play physical. We have to play hard, especially early. We cannot come out flat. We've got to press hard. Excuse me, press high and press hard, and we need to put their defenders and we need to, especially their outside backs, and we need to put their goalkeeper under pressure early because it's going to get in their heads and it's going to give us opportunities to put those, especially a Rudy to have those opportunities to run at a defender and get the defender to make a mistake and pounce on that mistake. And you score that goal. That can be all you need for that match. Go ahead, Mark. 
You know, and you could be catching Portland at a very, you know, tentative time as well, because, you know, obviously they will be looking forward to CCL the final, uh, during that week, uh, midweek against Club America and the next round of the, of the Champions League, which would be a, a really tough task for those guys. So we'll see what kind of lineup they show up. You know, I'm, I'm still thinking that Portland's going to show up with a, with, a, with a decent enough lineup, better than what San, San Jose put out there on the pitch. You know, uh, you mentioned all those players, but let's not forget about the, the, the Chara twins. You know, Diego and Jimmy. Oh, yeah. Jimmy. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, those guys, especially Jimmy, you know, having a great CCL a hat trick in the last the last match. You know, so, you know, those guys are, are flying high with a bunch of confidence. You know, if, if they get the opportunity to play in that match, I, I, I highly expect those guys to be highly motivated and to want to continue that hot streak on, you know, especially at home. Um, you know, so we'll see. I mean, it's going to be an interesting match for Dynamo for sure, regardless of what kind of team is placed out there for Portland. I don't, you know, obviously, you know, that's one of the disadvantages of, of an MLS team being in a CCL play in the beginning of the season because you do kind of ha- do have to kind of look ahead, you know, and see, you know, who you're going to rest, who you're going to play. But I do expect Portland to, to, to post a uh, decent enough team, you know, to you know, to defend home home field advantage. So with that being said, you know, we'll see. And like I said, with the Dynamo going with that, it should, they should look at it as an advantage and try to take full opportunity of the fact that they are catching, they are catching Portland at a, you know, kind of a, un, um, you know, an unfair advantage. But hey, you play the game, you play the game that's in front of you and hopefully the Dynamo take advantage of it and can pull out a win on the road because we know we've seen very few of those the last decade or so. Uh, yeah, you're not wrong. So, uh, George, uh, give me just a second. I'm actually pulling up the stats right now for that match against San Jose since you asked the question. Uh, how many shots we had? 17 shots total against San Jose, which is a large number of shots, six of which were on goal. So that's uh, that's like a, a little third. about a third. Yeah, 33% on goal, which is not, you know, it's not terrible. Uh, as far as shots from outside the box, we had... Uh, one by Memo that was blocked. We had one uh, by Rudy that was blocked from the very top of the box. Uh, one by Joe Corona that was off target that was just just outside the box. Another by uh, Rudy that was the one where he turned uh, just at the top of the box and shot it, and it kind of just dribbled to the goalkeeper. It was kind of a weak shot. Uh, Memo that had a shot off target that was probably 10 to 15 yards outside the box. Memo with another shot on target from outside the box in the 80th minute. Um, that was also saved. Tyler Pasher had the one shot that was an absolute rocket of a shot that the goalkeeper did really well to save for San Jose that was outside the box. Uh, And then you had, and that was all from outside the box. So we had seven uh, shots from outside the box, which for us is a large number, comparatively speaking. Uh, And I think of those seven, uh, let's see, that was blocked, that was blocked, that was off target, that was off target. I think we had two of those that were on target, so it's still, uh, you know, still a, a fairly decent number, um, considering yeah, you mean, had set, you know, seven from outside the box, and, and a couple of them were blocked too. So, yeah, and considering the wet pitch as well, and 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 the, yeah. and the weather condition as well. So, but you know, but like I said, I, you know, I'm looking for the Dynamo to take advantage of the fact that they're they're not going to face a full a full squad in Portland. So you know, I'm I'm thinking they're I'm thinking they're gonna pull out the win, man. Uh, I'm not, not nothing too crazy. Maybe a one zero to win if they, if, they, if they do win it, but you know, um, I think that they're gonna chalk a little bit and and pull out the win for 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 the guys this 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 Saturday, which I really hope they do. 
because uh, it'll be a nice, nice treat for the fans and especially going forward to the next home match against LAFC the, the week following. Absolutely. And important, too, uh, I do want to add this as well. Uh, the Dynamo only had 12.5% of their uh, passes as actual crosses uh, compared to 33% for San Jose. Why that's important is it shows you the Dynamo are, are tr- even though they're going to play along the wings, they're not trying to just serve the ball into the box hoping that an Arudi or a Memo or whoever can get on the end of that the end of that cross. What they're trying to do is they're trying to create short passes or long passes into the box um, you know, from outside and, and trying to just find those spaces, those half spaces to make the turn and make the shot. And frankly, we saw it against uh, San Jose. It can create the right opportunities that give you the best opportunity at goal. Uh, the other thing is, you know, total team expected goals. Interestingly enough, San Jose edged us out with a 1.2 unexpected goals versus us at 1.1. Uh, and that's off eight shots to our 17 uh, by San Jose. And then uh, for as many shots as we had in, in the six shots on target, San Jose still had four shots on target. Um, San Jose's uh, expected goals definitely dramatically increased about the 78th, 79th minute, maybe the 80th minute there, uh, or 82nd minute. That's probably 82nd minute. Uh, dramatically jumped up from there after they scored their goal. Um, in the 74th minute, uh, again, it's going to be, it's just interesting to kind of look at these breakdowns and, and start to see things that we didn't necessarily see before, uh, you know, looking at things, uh, in particular. Um, the other thing I want to call out is, uh, what an incredible passing percentage that Darwin Seren had in his 23 minutes. He had an 83.33% passing accuracy, which is absurd for an attacking player. Um, I mean, Lasseter had 100% passing accuracy, but I don't think he really had many passes. He did have one across the box, but uh, I digress about that. Uh, you know, even Pasher had a 68% passing accuracy for his full 90 minutes that he played. Uh, you know, you kind of go through, and, and realistically, everybody, I think, except pretty much Fafa, Pico, and, and Lunkovist had a pretty decent passing game uh, above a 60% for just about everybody. Even Memo had a 64%. Uh, you know, it was just, it was a good game overall. Uh, it was good to get out of the gate and now we just need to keep that momentum, keep that push and, uh, and be willing. Wow. Wow. I didn't know that. So, uh, Boney talking about Boney, he had an 86% dual percent. So that's aerial duels. He won 86% of his aerial duels. This guy is not tall. So for him to win 86% of his aerial duels means he was, he was marking well as a center back. That's incredible to me. I didn't know that. Wow. Okay. Um, anyways, any other thoughts on that match, Mark? No, I'm, I mean, you know, it's, you know, and it just shows the the great level of depth that the Dynamo have now this season compared to last season, you know, obviously, you know, you mentioned Saran, which came, who came on for Corona after, you know, he came, he came out, he seemed like a little bit of a, he was a little bit hurt at the end, but, you know, but he came off and Saran came in to have a, that level of a player, you know, to come off the bench and to be able to facilitate the way he did with the MB as accurate on his passes the way he was especially that late of the game you know with against going up against tire legs that's a huge uh advantage for the dynamo to have somebody like that and to create the 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 attacking you know process from the defensive process you know um so you know like I said hopefully they um they take full advantage of the fact that they're gonna play I'm thinking a weaker Portland side and um and they take full of take full advantages and steal steal some points in Portland, man. You know, I'm hoping for the win, but I mean, if we come out there with a tie, I'm not I'm not against that either. 
Yeah, I wouldn't, uh, you know, definitely want to, you go out in every match expecting to get a, you know, to, uh, expecting a win, playing for the win. You don't go out there playing for the draw, for sure. Um, I think we'll be able to tell from the lineup that, uh, you know, that Tab picks whether he's going out there for a win or for a draw. Uh, but, uh, you know, Portland are no slouches. I think it's going to be an entertaining game. I think it's going to be a fairly, you know, back and forth game uh, match. You know, a lot of a lot of attack both ways and defense is having to come up big. I wouldn't be surprised if Portland uh, have the majority of possession. It's something that they traditionally, you know, do. Um, but uh, they're coming off a loss against Vancouver, so they have something, you know, an extra edge. I bet to their, you know, to their play that they didn't have against Vancouver. Uh, and they're coming home. This is their home opener. Uh, you know, Portland at home, or Portland away, I should say, for us is not not an easy place. Uh, uh, I think the last time we got a win there was Morrow uh, in that moment in the playoffs. Um, look, we got to do it. You know, we got to go there and we got to we got to prove that we belong. Um, and I guess we'll just kind of see how it goes. With that being said, though, Mark, uh, I want to talk a little bit of MLS fantasy now. <laughs> That was the weakest laugh I've ever heard. Uh, <laughs> it's like Mark Godot, God, no. Uh, let's I, talk I, fantasy. I, I, I came out fifth place my first time ever coming out. The, that was the, solid. You did solid. Uh, yeah. I, uh, I am, I am, I, I was intrigued. There were a lot of shocks, I think, uh, for people uh, in terms of week one in MLS fantasy. Uh, a lot of big players didn't come up big. A lot of uh, smaller players did, players that from teams that nobody expected. Uh, came up really big, um, but uh, in uh, in the battle of the co-hosts, I do get to say that I won this week, uh, third place overall in the Surge League, uh, and Mark, as he noted, got fifth overall. Uh, it, it is interesting. Mark was only eight points, nine points behind me, so he wasn't far off the the pace there for sure. And in fantasy, nine points is nothing. That's a single player. Uh, so we go into week two. Uh, it's going to be interesting, Mark. I don't know if you've taken a look at who you're thinking about starting or, or anything like that, but, uh, I'll give you my starting lineup as of right now. This is based on, uh, just kind of what I'm expecting to have play out this week. I've got, uh, Maurer in goal from, uh, or more, in goal from, uh, Frisco. I think, uh, we saw San Jose, how lackluster they were. Dallas should have no issue with them. I've got Tim Parker in the back line yet again. I started him last week. I'm going to start him again this week. Uh, Nat Burgess from FCD, only because he's my uh, switcheroo, as they call it, because I do not expect him to play. Ryan Hollingshead from Dallas, because, again, I expect Frisco to have a good match against San Jose. Uh, Gutierrez from uh, Vancouver. After the show that Vancouver put on against Portland, I expect them to do much the same to Toronto, who struggled again against Montreal. It'll be interesting to see how those two teams play. I just expect Vancouver to get the better of them, and frankly, if they're going to do that, a $5 million guy in Gutierrez is a good way to go. My midfield is uh, Lucian Acosta from Cincinnati. Cincinnati shocked me to no end with how they played against Nashville. I thought Nashville would come out of that match easy. Uh, look, you, you don't uh, score two matches on two goals on Nashville without making a little bit of waves in the league. Go ahead, Mark. It's, it's amazing what a number, what a, a, a bona fide number ten can do for you. <laughs> You're not kidding. Uh, and 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 pieces around that to be able to give him opportunities too. It's not just him, but he's got other pieces to feed off. Uh, as well, I got Joe Price from uh, Colorado. They're placing uh, playing Austin again. I have no faith in Austin whatsoever. Uh, just in general, uh, I expect Colorado to have an easy time, an easy go of it. 
Uh, and I think Price is uh, the perfect midfield player for that opportunity. Uh, Stoyanovich from uh, Chicago. They're playing Atlanta. Atlanta has a great defense, but their attack is anemic right now. Stoyanovich right now for Chicago. Barrett for Chicago I also have starting as a forward. Uh, Barrett and Stoyanovich have a wonderful partnership in Chicago. They played really well in their first match. I expect them to continue that against Atlanta. I, as much as everybody touts Atlanta's defense, I think that Chicago can come away from there with a win and in doing so can give my two guys some good points. I have Maxi Rudy yet again starting for Houston uh, in, in my forward spot. I have all three forwards starting, by the way. Uh, and that's because, frankly, Max or Rudy, how can you, uh, how can you, you know, root against him at this point? Uh, and then I mentioned Barrich, and then, of course, I have Cavallini uh, as, my, uh, as my third forward who uh, had a really good week last week against, uh, uh, against um, Portland. Uh, and I expect him to have another good week against Toronto. My bench is uh, nobody is basically, it's a crappy keeper that it was just cheap. I didn't have to spend any money on. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Marie from uh, San Jose. I figure, hey, if I'm going to have a guy on the bench that might be able to just come out of nowhere and do something, why not? Uh, and then uh, Ryan Leal from uh, Nashville. They're playing Tor- uh, Montreal. I don't expect him to have a big week, but if he does happen to have a big week, he had 15 points last week. Uh, hey, why not, right? Like, put him on the bench, give him an opportunity with that switcheroo. And then my third is actually Tyler Pasher sitting on the bench. If he has a good week, hey, I'm primed and ready to get those extra points. So that's my that's my starting lineup there, Mark. I'm giving you the heads up here. If you want to win this week, you're going to have to beat that lineup. It's going to be tough. Yeah, I, I haven't I haven't looked at it yet. Um, I'm, I'll make sure to, to look at it before we do the show, so that way we can you know go back and forth or whatever. But uh, yeah, I mean you know for the first trash for, talk. The first week that I've ever played MLS fantasy and not really knowing how to to uh, about doing things because one of the things that I couldn't uh, figure out was how to change my formation, so I went with a four four two. So that kind of hurt me. And then um, obviously one of my fours, Diego Rossi, didn't play, so you know, so I lost out on some points there as well. Um, but yeah, but yeah, I mean, I mean, fifth place for first time ever. I think that's a really good job, you know, just to pat myself on the back a little bit. But uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'll be a little bit more focused on it this week. Uh, see what kind of formation if i can figure out how to change the formation thing and then if i can uh hopefully pick players that are not going to sit out <laughs> it's a hard thing to do an M- it, it's hard to do an mls because teams don't release their lineups until an hour before and even then sometimes yeah. there are surprises and the players lock you know a date like lock the day of their match usually an hour before their match uh or sorry an hour after the first an hour before the first match of the week kicks off uh, and so you can't swap out players that are on your bench. You know, you can't, you can't pull players from, from just the general pool of players after that. You have to have at least your, your starting lineup and then your four subs. And then you just have to play whatever sub is, you know, is available for a player that doesn't play. Let me give you my lineup from last week real quick, just to show you what I had last week. And, and I mean, and like I said, I had three players not play off, off, off this lineup. So you know, I was only nine points away from Sean, and I, I think I could have made that up with those three players. One of them I mean, players. I had Carlos Vela starting, so you know, if you want to, you want to keep talking about players not playing. I got five minutes out of Vela, so I don't want to hear nothing <laughs> from you. Hey, man, I, I okay. Well, the, my goalkeeper last seat la, uh, for last week was Brad Guzman. Uh, my back four was Tim Parker, uh, Warm Gore from Columbus Crew, Ike Opara, who didn't play for Minnesota United. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eddie Segura for uh, LAFC. A midfield, uh, Sebastian Linget, uh, Lucas Salari- Salaria, uh, Eddie Reynoso for uh, 
Minnesota United. Minnesota, yeah. Alejandro Pozuelo, who didn't play, who I think would have made up the nine points by himself, mm-hmm. uh, didn't play. Uh, and then my star fighting two was uh, Zardis from uh, Columbus Crew, and obviously Diego Rossi, who didn't play as well. So, and so then I, my uh... bench was. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. So my so my bench was my backup goalkeeper was uh, Dynamo legend himself, uh, Chris Sides uh, from DC United. <laughs> 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 uh Sam Junqua, uh Tyler Pasher, and uh Michelle from uh Orlando City. Out nice. you want to... Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I think, nice. I, I think I had a fairly good team, man. As if, if, if everybody would have played, I think I would have done some damage, but I know. did uh so I, know, I, I, know, I, I know I know the Vela situation was 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 a was a big honor oh, for everybody because I think I think a lot of people had Vela on their team, but I just you know I think Rossi was on Rossi's on the on just to go on a tear this season that's why i picked him over vela because they're basically cost the same so but yeah that vela thing kind of hurt a lot of people uh yeah we'll get to that here in just a second parts unknown thanks for asking uh my lineup last week uh the 59 points what's very interesting mark and you'll get a kick out of this my switcheroo was worth nine points because i had christian rolled down on my bench who was exactly nine points that's where i got my extra nine points from so in goal, I had Joe Willis starting again. I thought Nashville versus Cincy. This is an easy win for Nashville. This should be an absolute easy, you know, destruction of Cincinnati. Since he proved me wrong, I didn't think they had enough. They have enough. Uh, and so uh, Joe Willis was worth a whole whopping two points. Tim Parker was worth a whole whopping two points. Uh, Lovitz from uh, Nashville was worth eight. So that was a good move by me. Uh, Fontas from uh, SKC was worth five. Those are decent, def- decent uh, points for a defender. Uh, Mukhtar was worth five points from Nashville. Valeria was only worth four. I expected more from Valeria. He let me down. Uh, uh, Montero from Philly was worth five points. My forward line, uh, Carlos Vela, worth one point. Thanks again, Bob Bradley. F you. Uh, Franco Yara, uh, Hara from uh, FC Dallas was worth two points. And Maxi Rudy, my cap, by the way, really good move by me, was worth 16 because you get double points for your captain. So he's actually worth eight points on the week. I got 16 for him. I felt pretty good about that at the end of the week. Uh, this week is going to... You don't get... So, bench players. We're just talking about how many points bench players get. There's a thing called a switcheroo in MLS Fantasy. This is going to be MLS Fantasy 101. There's a thing called a switcheroo. What it is is you play a player in your starting lineup that you know has the lowest likelihood of starting for their team, which means they're not... Or even getting any minutes. If they get no minutes and they don't play at all for their team throughout the week then your your highest uh the substitute with the highest points gets automatically substituted in. So Nat Burgess for FCD did not play. He's a 4 million dollar player that I would have essentially had on the bench. I knew he wasn't wasn't going to play. So I started him knowing full well that he wouldn't play. My bench of Zarek Valentin, Christian Roldan and Jack McGlynn and the only reason I had McGlynn on there is cuz I knew he wouldn't play either. But the, that meant that I was going to get the better point total from either Zarek Valentin or Christian Roldan. And it is up to whoever plays better that they're the ones that get automatically substituted in. You want to use your switcheroo in that way, and you want to have two players on your bench that you think could have good matches so that you can take the better of the two matches. Um, and again, Christian Roldan, nine points, definitely helped me get to the third place last week. Huge shout out to Sergio and J Lo, uh, who tied for first place last week in the Surge League with 70 points. I mean, whopping me by 11 points, and the rest of the league wasn't even close. Uh, 
I expect a better week from me this week. I really do, but it's always a flip of the coin as to how things go. One word of advice to anybody playing MLS Fantasy, always remember your best bet is to go with the team or the players from the home team in a match because they typically will have the better of the chances. They will have more points in fantasy unless it's a big superstar player like a Carlos Vela. Um, with that being said, there were a couple of questions asked about a couple of players. One was going to be uh, one was in relation to injury updates for minor and the other was for Ethan Bartlow. Ethan Bartlow, as far as I understand it, is still out with a concussion, still nursing a concussion, still going through concussion protocol. He has not returned to practice as of yet. Uh, again, there's still a couple of days this week uh, for him to get into practice, but I still wouldn't expect him to start. Uh, Minor Figueroa is still out related to what we believe is the COVID-19 protocols. Um, they, it's undisclosed at this point, but my suspicion is it's something related to COVID-19 protocols. Um, probably had to self-quarantine for two weeks is my guess. We'll see him back out there at some point in the next week or two. Um, that leaves Fuenmayor, who has been back at practice this week. Uh, as of, I think, today or yesterday was back at practice. That gives him three days of practice, four days of practice, technically. Well, I got three, yeah, three days of practice uh, before the match on Saturday. Again, I don't expect him to start Fuenmayor necessarily, but I do expect that we might see a half out of Fuenmayor, maybe 15 minutes, something like that. Uh, I'm okay, comfortable, I think, having Boney play uh, some minutes at center back again. He looked good enough to handle it again for a second week in a row. Uh, but it definitely hurts having, again, another year in a row, we have three center backs on the injury list. You can't afford that to happen very often for any team. And to have it happen so many years in a row, you start wondering about the fitness crew uh, and strength and conditioning crew. What's going on, man? What's going on? It's crazy. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, hopefully <clears throat> the whole concussion thing with Bartlow, you know, gets dealt with and, you know, hopefully the kid's doing all right. Uh, Minor, I mean, I expect Minor to come back already. You know, he probably, you know, I know he's going, going to be in uh, international duty here pretty soon, you know, so obviously I know he wants to rev up and be in shape for that as well. Um, but, yeah, man, I, the, but, the, but the biggest concern for me is Alejandro from Mayor. You know, obviously, I want to make sure that guy. You know, I've, I've been a familiar uh, guy for for since he got here, man. You know, I've, I I like his size, I like <clears throat> I like his physicality. I think he has the body to be a really good center back. Um, not the fastest guy, obviously, but you know, but you're a if you're a CB, you don't need that. Um, uh, Georgie over here is shouting out Carlos Salcedo. Um, we'll see. I guess you know. I mean that he he he's a name that still for some reason still kind of linked to the dynamo for whatever reason and you know cb is the 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 spot that we're kind of just kind of piecing together here right now so to play alongside parker so we'll see i mean that would that would have to be a summer transfer window uh signing for the dynamo and you know obviously it won't be a cheap one either i I, I wouldn't think uh i'm not trying to pay 22 million dollars for a defender you know but we'll see what happens i guess (laughs) Uh, yeah, so there was an interview with Tab where this is coming from uh, earlier this week that says uh, the Dynamo are looking to add a player in the center back position. Clearly, they understand that they need a, another another center back. Uh, the team are going to be down to one center back, which is Minor uh, for international, or going to be down a center back, which is Minor for international duties, possibly for the majority of the entire se- middle of the season. Uh, so look, I mean, the... the uh, uh, 
the fact is the reason Carlos Salcedo has been linked to the Dynamo is there's got to be some, you know, you don't get rumors like that without there being some validity to them. Uh, and I know that we've heard the 22 million touted out there. We've heard, I know I've heard 13 million as the transfer fee offer, whatever it is out there, 16 million, I think I saw as well. Um, I, I just don't, it, to me, uh, you know, it doesn't really, um, it, it doesn't really matter what that transfer fee is because that fee is, you know, it's reported by multiple, you know, people. It's <laughs> the guy that said, I think 22 million or whatever it was, uh, you, you know, uh, hard to verify. <laughs> that was the actual amount. Uh, you know, I'm, my anticipation is probably under 10 is what the dynamo are hoping for angling for. Uh, and frankly, look, at the end of the day, if you can get Carlos Salcedo for under $10 million on a transfer fee, that's your starting center back paired next to Tim Parker for the rest of this season and probably a good two to three seasons after that. That's a solid center back pairing, and that's going to be tough for any team to break down. You've seen it in NWSL with the dash. If you have a good center back pairing, it is difficult to even get opportunities at goal, let alone to even be able to get opportunities to look at goal. Um, and, uh, you know, I think the same can be true in MLS. Just got to have it happen. Uh, so everybody, you know what, if you're into lighting candles and praying vigils, by God, do it now. Cause we need it more than ever to get that sign sealed and delivered as quick as possible. Uh, because as tab noted in that interview, we are going to be down a center back. And right now down a center back is very unfortunate because that means Boney is playing more minutes at center back. Not that I don't like it. I just don't think he can last a whole season there. Um, yeah, obviously, you know, it's a, it's a it's a position of need. And then obviously, you know, the fact that we, we are being linked with such a high profile player yeah. in this region, you know, it's, it's 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 a lot of excitement, you know, for us as a fan base, because, you know, we don't get we normally don't get uh, linked with a player of that caliber or that price range. You know, obviously, the, I think the 22 million is out outrageous. Oh, yeah, uh, the, no the, way. The six the 16 million prior was is a little bit far fetched. But I mean, you know. But you know, obviously, you're you're worth whatever anybody's willing to pay. So I mean, if we say it all the time, I, I think even more to that, yeah, even more to that point too. Um, you know, I, I think there's, and the reason why I I feel like there there's some real legs to this rumor is you just you know in the off season you basically went and got Joe Corona and you got him in a way that basically you took him from another team and because he wanted to come here and play. And he wanted to come here and he wanted to play for Tab. And, you know, that's a player that has links to Liga MX. That's a player that probably knows people that Carlos Salcedo is close with. That's a player that gives you an in with Carlos Salcedo. It's something nobody is talking about, but it's a player that gives you an opportunity to just lure Carlos Salcedo here. And all I'm saying is if, if Joe Corona and Tab, Tab you know, team up a little bit, there's absolutely got to be something to this rumor. And if there is, I am on board for Carlos Salcedo. As long as it's not more than 10 to 12 million, I'd even be willing to pay 12. Look, the guy is worth it. And a center back that's worth that amount of money, you need right now, if you're the dynamo, your attack is not hurting too terribly bad. Eventually, I want to upgrade. But right now, perfectly fine with that. And that's the move you got to make. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, uh, like I said, I've stated prior, you know, everybody was a little bit kind of worried about paying New York Red Bulls one million for Tim Parker if, if all if all the stipulations are met. 
I hope, like I said, I hope he meets it all because Hell that yeah. means that he, <laughs> he did a fantastic job, you know. And and we got the player that that we were aiming to get, you know. You don't you don't you don't go and pay money to to get a sorry player, you know. The reason you pay the money that you pay is because you're getting a pair a player of quality, somebody who's gonna help your squad, you know. And and if Salcedo comes in here and and pair him up with Parker and make a transform the dynamo into a top five defense in, in the league, then he's worth every penny that they spent, you know? Absolutely. So uh, real quick, we have about five minutes left, which is just perfect. It's time for predictions and bold predictions. Okay. Uh, so we'll start with just the regular prediction, Portland versus Di- or, uh, dynamo at Portland. What you got? I'm going to go one zero dynamo one zero. Wow. That's, that's uh yeah, that's because like I said, like, really I, like, like I mentioned earlier, just because the fact that, you know, they're going to have, um, they're going to be looking forward to CCL play against the Club America, which obviously is one of the top contenders to play to lift up uh, the the Champions League. So Portland is going to give their all to that. You know how MLS plays against the Liga MX when it comes to this competition. They want to showcase, so they so they go out with the bang in that competition. So and it kind of affects their their playing domestically from the get go. You know, so that's why I'm giving them the one zero advantage. You know, I, I didn't consider the CCL play, even though that did come up earlier. Uh, I think I'm going to go another 2-1 victory for the Dynamo. No, you know what? I'm going to... Oh, I hate to do this. I'm going to go... I'm going to go... I'm going to go 2-2 di- or 2-2 draw. Uh, I want to believe 2-1, but I think Portland have enough attacking power that, that 2-2 is is fair. Uh, I'm okay coming away with this match with a draw. I want to go out there to play to win, but you know, I'm also realistic, and a draw in this second match feels comfortable to me. Uh, 2-2 draw, I think, is pretty good. Uh, with that being said, uh, I've, I see 2-1 Dynamo. I see 3-1 Dynamo from George. Uh, I see 2-2 draw from Parts Unknown. Hey, we're right on the same wavelength on that one. Nestor, if you want to throw yours out there, if you're still around, I'm guessing you are because it's almost time. Uh, let's go bold predictions, Mark. What's your bold prediction for Portland? Bold prediction for Portland. Uh, it's going to be an on by uh, in, in for us or against us? No, well, I said one zero Dynamo. The Dynamo oh, so it have to be us. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow, that's a pretty damn bold prediction, actually. Uh wow. I uh, mm. Delari- uh, Valeri gets a penalty kick, like he scores a penalty. I know that's not a huge, like, really bold prediction, but the bold prediction comes in from the penalty. He gets it off a handball in the box, and it's one of those controversial handballs in the box where it's like ball to hand, not hand to ball. But for some reason, the ref calls it, and VAR doesn't overturn it. I guess we'll see how that goes. Uh, and I think that actually levels it to two, uh, like in stoppage time, basically. Uh, George says, bold prediction, Pasher scores a ga- uh, goal of the week goal. <laughs> I would be here for that. Uh, that would be incredible. Uh, also of note, real quick before we end the show, uh, Copa Tejas, which is the official, unofficial supporters trophy uh, cup that will be awarded to the MLS, NWSL, uh, slash USL, uh, any of those three league uh, teams from within Texas, uh, based on points per game uh, against. How, how does that how does that work for a team like uh, the Dash? Uh, oh, the Copa. Oh, sorry, there's two two trophies. Man, that's confusing as hell. The Copa Tejas Cup. Uh, is uh, the cup between Austin FC, Houston Dynamo, and FC Frisco. Is that correct? Jeff Jeff will correct me here. Um, 
uh, yeah, Division One Copa Tejas is between those three teams. It's the MLS division, uh, and that is just between the team that comes away uh, basically with the um, best record against their those two opponents specifically. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a it's a you play them twice uh, throughout the season. Uh, and then Copa Tejas Shield is between MLS, USL, and uh, NWSL, and that's based on points per game uh, or points per match right now, which, by the way, little known fact, guys, the Dynamo are currently leading the standards, uh, the standards, the standings, because they have the best points per match right now, which is average points. Uh, so, hey, if we keep winning out, I mean, we win Copa Tejas Shield. There's don't even have to go to playoffs. We've already got hardware, right? That's how that works. It's uh Woo. It's awarded specifically by the supporters groups of those clubs within Texas. I think it's really cool the supporters groups are doing that. I think it's awesome. Um, uh, anyways, that's uh, that's all I've got, Mark. It's about time to sign off for the night. But uh, good show, good stuff. Any closing thoughts? Closing remarks? Closing thoughts? Yeah, yeah, guys. I mean, obviously, um, for those who are interested, I mean, there's a watch party pitch twenty five um, with the, with the surge and the hustle town. You know, all those guys out there at nine thirty uh, for the Portland Timbers game on Saturday. Um, you know, get, go out there, man. Support, man. You know, whether you're part of the supporter group or not, man. You know, get to know your fellow Dynamo fans. Uh, it'll be a, a joy to have you have you guys out there. You know, and check that out um myself i won't be there this week i was there last week for the opening match and i'll probably and i will be there for the lafc lafc match the next week uh sean you said you were gonna be there uh yeah i will be making the celebrity appearance if you will no i'm just kidding i'll be making there the appearance i'll go out there and shake hands with sean man <laughs> <laughs> I, I will be uh shaking hands no kissing of babies this week uh covid's still a thing uh, but I will be shaking hands. Uh, well, actually, I'll be giving fist bumps. We don't we don't shake hands right now. I'll be giving fist bumps out. Uh, but uh, yeah, we will be. I will be out there uh, this Saturday at pitch twenty five. Uh, I will not be out there for the May eighth match. Uh, unfortunately, or no, May first match. Sorry, May first match uh, against LAFC. I have uh, prior engagements to deal with. Uh, but uh, I will be out there this Saturday. So if you guys are out there, come say hi at Pitch 25. I'll be out there hanging out with uh, the Surge, Jeff, Sergio, uh, Nestor, and all of the rest that are showing up. It's going to be a good time. Lots of uh, beer flowing. I can guarantee you that. Uh, lots of food to be shared, I'm sure, as well. Uh, just come have a good time. Say hi and uh, hang out and have a good time. Sure. Good Dynamo. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate it. Make sure, real quick, got to do the rundown. Make sure you check us out on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Generation Orange. Make sure you check us out on Anchor.fm when I can remember to do the actual audio. Anchor.fm slash Gen Orange. Check us out on Twitter. That's at Gen Orange Radio. Marcus at Chase Agovia. I am at Sean Ringrose. Make sure you check out the LaBanca podcast. Uh, you can check them out on YouTube. Uh, I'm sure we'll have the link posted. I'm sure Mark will, will be happy to post that from the Gen Orange account sometime later this week when they go, uh, not later this week early next week when they go live uh and then of course make sure uh you check out nestor as well at lil nest 25 on uh twitter uh and uh check out sgl it's getting ready to start back up uh here in the next couple of months uh with uh, a really cool thing you guys need to pay attention to it's gonna be awesome uh with that being said guys hold it down h-town
You know, guys, we are very fortunate to have many good friends in the soccer community. But the one we are most grateful for is Jen Cooper, a.k.a. Keeper Notes. Jen is an absolute gold mine of wisdom, experience, and advice. And Mix Zone, that's Mix Zone with two X's, is one of the best women's soccer podcasts running today. Check the podcast out at https colon backslash backslash bgn.fm backslash category backslash podcasts backslash the hyphen mixed with two X's hyphen zone. Or just check out the Keeper Notes Twitter at Keeper Notes. Hey, thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. Well, guys, that is it for this week's audio-only podcast episode, which has been uploaded to Anchor.fm. Special thanks to our producer and streamer boy, Nestor Luna, for helping take care of the technical details each week for our show. We look forward to talking with you again real soon. Hold it down, Houston.